0: ParkPal is a companion iPhone app for trips to Disneyland Paris. ParkPal is available free from the App Store. Action! Welcome to Taunt Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. In this episode, we're going to revisit a film that had its cinema release very recently and see if we feel different to how we did when we
1: first saw it. This episode is Ricky and the Flash, Joshua. Ricky and the Flash is a 2015 musical drama starring Meryl Streep as Ricky, a wannabe rock star who never made it big and now plays in a small town bar. When her daughter, played by Streep's real-life daughter, Mammy Gummer, attempts suicide, Ricky heads back home for the first time in years and she has to confront her family who see her as a flaky bad mom who doesn't deserve to be there. You liked this film, didn't you? I would give it a solid three out of five. Okay. Did you not like it? (sighs) (laughs) When did you start with a sigh? It doesn't bode well.
0: (laughs) The scenes when... Because it opens in the bar and Ricky, played by Streep, is with the band, The Flash. And... The band is called The Flash. The band is called The Flash. And they're playing their their music and it's, you know, mid-80s, soft rock, radio-friendly. You know, they're playing Journey and you know other bands like that which are fine but you know it's a bit old hat it's a bit wedding they're, essentially they're a wedding band stuck in a dive bar wanting to make it big and they're not going to and I found it really tragic I've known many many musicians or I've seen bands like that that are still stuck in this maybe it will happen maybe it will happen when they they don't realize it's just not gonna happen and it's really tragic and it that that opening scene and 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 like the establishment of that film just made me think oh god these poor <laughs> these poor these poor fools. people <laughs> um and then we see that Streep
1: actually has a job in a supermarket um where she earns 400 bucks a week which is yeah great i guess no that's about 200 pounds i think a week so actually it's rubbish it's but, pretty shit yeah
0: the bit where the the the, the manager's going i want you to surprise and delight the
1: customer. Yeah. Just made me And think he's like of... half her age and he's obviously her boss. Yeah. It's and so it, just, it just
0: it just made me think of retail jobs I've had in the past where I just think, "Oh
1: fuck." off. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck and off. she kind of sucks it up and to her credit she does just get on with her job. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's obviously intelligent. She's learned all the barcode numbers for all the food that she has to check out every day. Well, years ago so... when I worked it. Um, Argus,
0: I, I could just recite catalogue numbers. Oh God, it's so depressing. <laughs> well, you just learn them after a while, and there's yeah. like a there's a format to them. So you know, irons would always start with a particular number. Then the individual iron would be, you know, four more. <laughs> so it's not it's not that difficult. Um, I I just felt with this film. It's directed by Jonathan Demme. Mm -hmm. It's his last film.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was about to say thank God, but no, not thank God in that sense. (laughs) But thank God that he won't be making any more movies. Um, If you took Science of the Lambs, Philadelphia, and this film, Ricky and the Flash, and you took his name off, and you just showed it to people who had no idea who Jonathan Demme was, and you said, which of these three films were directed by the same person. You would pick Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia because there's a real strong vision there. There's a real voice from a particular person. You can see camera styles and links and themes and and grammar between those two films. Ricky and the Flash It was a really bland piece
1: of shit. I wouldn't say it's a piece of shit, but it's definitely quite anonymously directed. Like, you don't really sense that this is the guy who made those fantastic 90s movies. And uh, I do wonder if it's because he was directing a script by Diablo Cody, who was, well, she kind of is still a hot thing, but she was very much the hot young writer who wrote Juno, um, and then she did Jennifer's Body, and she's got a very distinct voice. Um, And I do wonder if he was maybe feeling pressured to service her voice and her script rather than bring his own kind of expertise to the more visual side of film.
0: Well, this is what I was thinking. I think when when creatives get on in in life and, you know, their styles will will formulate and, and develop over time. But you would expect there to be a new voice. You know, Spielberg makes very different films now than he did. 30, 40 years ago, David Lynch, you know, there's massive, there's big differences between Twin Peaks then and Twin Peaks now. It's almost like looking at, you know, completely
1: like a student film versus a a more honed vision. It's
0: like watching two different people's
1: work. Yeah.
0: But with this, he seems to have either developed to the point where he has no voice anymore because a lot of the shots were just boring, bland, studio dollies and and uh, sort of really basic framing hmm. but then he would sort of inject it ever so slightly with these really weird moments of um like snap zooms and and long lenses you know documentary long lenses where he's trying to find the character in the frame but it just fucking jars yeah it was truly bizarre
1: it was quite heartbreaking to watch it's it's sad because he was such a fantastic filmmaker um and this this came, uh, what was it, six, five, six years after Rachel getting married, which I've only seen once, but I thought was fun, like fucking amazing. It's, it's got an amazing performance from Anne Hathaway as a recovering, I think she's an alcoholic or a drug addict. Um and that's that's got a real kind of tension to it and a real uh like an interesting look at a vulnerable person and and this is kind of a weirdly spiritual sequel to it in the sense that it's again about a woman struggling against her circumstances um but it doesn't have any of the grit that rachel getting married had no it was like a hallmark card yeah it was bizarrely it was like sanitized
0: it was almost like like father of the bride kind of era studio fair really bland like late john hughes yeah really
1: bland and like time to you know Hang up your gloves and just <laughs> go. I'd, I'd forgotten this was this only came out in 2015 because when I was watching it, I was like, they were talking about politics and the president, and I was like, so she must be talking about Bush because this film feels like it's actually from like the early 2000s, but it's yeah. not at all. It's a t- couple of years old, yeah, two years old. Um, and I just love that she's going on about Obama and how much she hates him, and it's like, <laughs> just wait, love, <laughs> yeah. just give it two just years.
0: You wait. I found myself losing interest. After she, because obviously she goes from the bar, she goes to meet the family, and the dynamics are pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, you you learn the the kind of history of who's who and why she left and this that and the other. But since she goes back to wherever she, I can't remember where she she came from, and she's located so somewhere else in America.
1: Yeah, I can't remember.
0: When she goes back, I started losing interest. The whole I,
1: film dies as soon as she leaves the family. Yeah, she basically she. So she, get, she gets home, she reunites with her, her ex-husband, her daughter, her Kevin two sons. Kevin Klein, who is... Yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, Why is he not in more? I know. Why is he not in more things? Yeah. But she reunites with this family that that she used to be a part of and now hasn't been for, I think, decades. Um, and she reunites with them and it's all very intense and a bit, bit shouty, but always interesting and it feels alive. The film yeah. kind of comes to life the second she arrives in this house. And then she's kind of She's kicked out, essentially, by Kevin Klein's new wife, who is absent for some of the the story. Who's been raising the kid. Who's been raising the kids. But all three of them, really. Yeah, and she comes back, and she's this really warm, lovely, put-together woman, and it's just impossible not to like her, but obviously she grates up, you know, she grates against Ricky, hugely. Well, Ricky's Um, this kind of free-form
0: rock chick, and the other woman is liberal but probably leaning towards conservative cause yeah she's very, very clean house dresses very sensibly mm-hmm. has a sensible job
1: yeah so she kicks ricky out because she's like i've had enough of this this isn't helping anyone um and then the, so then ricky returns back to the bar and to her old life with uh her kind of band and her boyfriend and the, the film just kind of oh it just dies on its feet it's like nothing happens for half an hour i felt like i was watching two halves of two completely different films yeah. there's not
0: there really isn't any connection between her life back in the bar mm-hmm. area and her former life and now her reconnected life in the posh bit of America that she goes to visit the kids at
1: yeah well I mean when she's she goes really back disjointed yeah when she goes back to the bar that's when she starts she starts real like she's learned from being with her family and she realises she has to commit to her boyfriend who she, she's never committed to uh, previously And it's like, well, okay, we're watching her learn how it's okay to have a boyfriend and all this kind of stuff. But I actually didn't care. Yeah. I wanted to see... I thought when the film started, I thought it was going to be uh, about her and her daughter. And her daughter pretty much vanishes halfway through the film. Yeah. And then we're expected in the finale to to feel some kind of emotional, uh, you know, a great sense of emotion because they kind of, you know, come back together again or whatever. But it just... It no, loses it completely all it completely false. Yeah, um, which is a shame.
0: I was it's a, yeah. It's a, I mean, there's one shame in in a sea of many many shames yeah. in this film, and one of the biggest shames is her hair. Oh, it's just so distracting, so distracting. But that's a real indicator that the film is boring. That I started paying <laughs> more attention to what her hair was doing. It looked like a unicorn sitting side saddle on her head. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good description of it. <laughs> why, why? Why did they make that decision? It, Meryl Streep can't pull that off. And I don't think
1: Meryl Streep pulled this film off. Do you think she gets a free pass because she's Meryl Streep? Um, some of it, I thought she was amazing in it. Um, and some of it I Which thought was bits? a bit embarrassing. There's some great stuff. So when her she, her and her daughter go to have breakfast and they start arguing about her trying to commit suicide and this this dad pipes up behind them... And says, "Oh, can you take it somewhere else?" I'm trying to have a nice breakfast with my daughter, and and they kind of lay into him. And she's really great in that, um, but you can see you can see her struggling to find the nuances because emotionally the film is very in your face. It's not subtle. It's you know, there's nothing subtle about it really. And so you can see her really struggling to get under the skin of this this dynamic between these characters. Um, and she does she does pull it off just about because she's Meryl Street. By virtue of being Meryl Streep, she does. I don't but. think so. I don't think she pulls it off at
0: all. And I think I get really annoyed when actors are given a free pass. If they give a bad performance, well they, obviously she's amazing because she's Meryl Street. No. She's rubbish in certain things. Like Mamma Mia. Oh god, don't don't or start. of this film. She shouldn't be allowed to sing because she can't sing. She can't play the guitar. It was just cringe well,
1: cringy watching her wobble with that fucking guitar <laughs> i like that she she actually sang live i think during filming um there's no what's it called dubbing whatever it is yeah um there was no there's no lip sync there's no adr right in fact the live sound
0: of the band was was genuinely i was really surprised at how great that was it sounded like a live band in in a in a dive bar
1: yeah and you kind of understand why she didn't make it because she's she can hold a note, just, but she's not like she's not Stevie Nicks. She's not the best singer in the world. She no. wants to be Stephen X, but yeah. she's not. Um, and so, I actually quite like the fact that she's not this. You know, I hate it on like Riverdale and Glee and all these these shows where a character gets up and suddenly they've got this magical, beautiful pop voice, <laughs> and it, it's like, no, that doesn't happen in real life. If I started singing now, or break the microphone.
0: <laughs> yes, you would. Please don't do that. Um, I I feel like Jonathan Demi. He 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 loves or he loved music and he, he did a couple of music documentaries in the the 80s and 90s i think i did not know that his, early, his early work was uh, mm. surrounded around around music and music plays a big part in his his films so with that in mind why were the bar scenes directed so blandly
1: why were they not a little bit more rock and roll i, I guess he was just trying to ground it in this in this reality but i don't know it wasn't it's not. I guess it's more about her than the actual performance. So that's. I think the performances went on far too long. If there had been oh, less, yeah. if there had been less performances, there could have been
0: more time to flesh out more interesting plot threads, like when Kevin Klein puts his head in her lap. I huh? know, and they were like, like "Oh, I think he's still in love with me," but then they never continue on with it. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a really cool thread because then it would have brought up. Um, a really interesting dynamic and tension between the new wife and Merle Streep's character, the old
1: wife. There was a lot of trying to orchestrate or manufacture drama and then not following through on it. So the stuff where Ricky has a, has kind of a problem with um her son's sexuality. Mm. Like she thinks that, you know, he said that he was bisexual when he was at college. And then when she sees him again, now he says he is gay. and uh, She kind of has a bit of a problem with that. And that's really interesting. And like the film kind of skirts away from it kind of it it stops short of letting her be like quite and not a very nice person. Yeah. So she's obviously she's kind of almost like a Confederate kind of flag waver. Like she's got the American flag tattooed on her back. Yeah. She's all about the troops. I support my troops and all this stuff. She hates Obama. Um, and like De- 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 Cody Cody likes writing anti like young adult had Charlize Theron as a, an alcoholic, young adult novelist. Okay. And she's just like this horrific, awful woman who you come to understand through the film. And, and you kind of feel that she's trying to play the same trick with Ricky. And it just doesn't work because she doesn't, she stops short of going all the way. Do so you think they pussied out? I do think a little bit. Yeah, because... Because she's Meryl
0: Streep and Meryl Streep can't be genuinely mm. evil. Look, yeah. at, look at look at the work she does. If she plays a witch like in into the woods, then she has to be the best ever witch ever ever created. If she's a bitch in Devil Wears Prada, she has to be the most fashionable and I- iconic bitch ever. But
1: actually Devil Wears Prada is a very interesting comparison because in that film she does play a total bitch um and a very, a very much a cold kind of corporate um you know company woman. But you you do, you do get to understand her. And by the end of the film, you, you kind of respect her more than when she was just kind of being this ice cold queen. Because there's a character um, there. Yeah. That's whereas, a character. Whereas right.
0: Ricky is just a stereotype. She's yeah. a rock chick. She's got jewelry. She yeah. like, she's got a fucking unicorn shat on her head. <laughs> that's not a character. And that, I think that's why her performance comes across as so flat. She doesn't know who she's meant to be.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know what you know what stages the script went through, or if they cut things, or if there was a script stage yeah. at all,
0: or if they just made it up as they went. Along. There was a script. It does. It does def- definitely feel like you know Diab- Diablo Cody. Hmm. What? Well, that's not her real name, is it? Diablo Cody. Yeah. Um, sort of either bashed this one out really quickly, and then sort of said to them, "Oh, here it is. Here's a script. Just just quickly make it while I'm I'm hot property before
1: I lose it." Do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised actually because I. She. She. Um, Diablo Cody. She ran that. The show United States of Tara. And I'm not sure if that was actually. I've never heard of that. It's a, it's a really interesting show about a woman with. It's not multiple personality disorder. It's the other one that I can't remember what it's called. Bipolar? No. It's Any different personalities. Um, But it's. That's Tony Collette. And I wonder if she was writing this at the same time as that and she just got a little bit swamped. I don't it's know. It's a
0: shame, really, because it's Jonathan Demme's last film. I know, before yeah. he died. Yeah. So this is always going to be he went out on a fucking downer. Mm. Mel Street can carry on. Yeah. Mammy Kevin Clyde, if he's ever allowed. Yeah. Mammy mammy gummy, gummer. Gummer. Mammy gummer, I thought it was mammy gummy. She reminded me of Jennifer Jennifer Grey from Ferris Bueller, the sister. Oh yeah. And the hair reminded me of um Gat Goldthwaite from
1: Police Academy.
0: <laughs> she had Zed's hair. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the thing is like <laughs>
1: there's nothing subtle about this film because when she's when um Ricky's told that her daughter hasn't been washing or anything, suddenly you notice that the back of, m- mammy's mammy's hair is like, like she's been dragged through a bush for a week. It just oh, there's not her, subtle. her entrance
0: is running down the stairs and going Screening. like like I want you to fucking die or no I don't want you
1: here so. Calm down love there's nothing about it.
0: Because everyone's performance is down here and yours is way up here yeah. playing to the back seat. I'm just as
1: good as Mommy. Yeah. I actually thought she was pretty good. She just wasn't given she was given Stole the show. Yeah.
0: Um also what stole the show in a really bad way was that ludicrous ending when everyone gets up and and sings like they're the fucking Partridge family or the, or the fucking Brady bunch.
1: For a film that... Nobody sang apart from her, though. No, they were doing backing vocals for them. their mom. Oh, their yeah. Their brand new mom. I, by that point, I was crying, so I didn't know. Why <laughs> were you crying? Because you were cutting yourself, <laughs> yourself with the film to end. The I f- did kind of hate myself, because at the end, I knew oh, I was being laughing, massively manipulated, but I still felt a little bit of a warm <laughs> tingle when her daughter got up and started dancing. I was happy that that
0: happened, because I knew it was coming to the end of the fucking film. Oh, yeah. Um, but the whole film had been had been sort of entrenched in reality, and suddenly, just an incredibly unrealistic ending. Again, it felt like watching another movie. I was like, I felt like I was watching. Like I thought
1: a, it was. I thought it was pretty realistic in the sense that her gift to her son is her singing a song. Like but then everyone gets up and sings yeah, unrehearsed to yeah, a I song know.
0: they've never heard before because it's her song. It's not... no 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 they sang to the cover no, yeah I was a, it was a boss song wasn't it yeah. they still got up and sung unrehearsed who does that maybe
1: they've inherited their mother's gift for singing well she hasn't inherited a <laughs> gift for <laughs> singing has she
0: fucking <laughs> out. Okay, so that was Ricky and the Flash directed by Jonathan Demme we want you to join the conversation tweet us your thoughts and reviews to at Pod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released the podcast
1: We love five-star ratings, so give us a rating if you wanna. Yeah, and you do wanna.
0: So we're off to sing along with our families at some fucked up wedding. (laughs) Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson.
1: I'm Joshua Winning. Cut!